Welcome to the Off The Crutch Podcast, your home for disability-related topics from a disabled perspective. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Off The Crutch. Today's episode is quite unique because it is the first time that I'm interviewing my guest in person. Now, I had such a great response with last week's episode with Janie talking about her experience becoming an SLP that I thought this week I would have on my friend Monica, who has been an SLP for nearly 10 years. So today I am recording this at Monica's house. How are you doing today, Monica? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. That is so great to hear. Now, I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a while now because we've known each other for years and years. And so why don't you share with the listeners a little bit about your background and how you got into the SLP field? Okay. So when I was in high school, I volunteered at a few camps with kids with disabilities. And there was one woman who was working with an individual um, who didn't have any use of her limbs and um, was able to communicate solely with her eyes. And that was kind of revolutionary for me, thinking, wow, there are so many different ways to communicate. And I wanted to be a part of the problem solving that goes into helping individuals communicate where in a world where we see individuals who don't, who may not be able to communicate easily, um, be able to and be able to effectively have a voice and can make their wants and needs known. And so I wanted to be a part of that. So I went to school at New Mexico State and then kind of fell in love afterwards. After I got my master's, I fell in love with the deaf, hard of hearing world. And so worked there for a while as well. Now, you mentioned hard of hearing and something that I struggle with or that maybe other people what disabilities struggle with is this idea of identity first versus um, person first language, whether you are a person with a disability or a disabled person. So talk a little bit about why you refer to individuals who are hard of hearing as such and not maybe someone who is uh, hearing impaired. So hearing impaired kind of suggests that it is a disability and deaf individuals, most of them, the deaf community at large, don't see it as a disability. The deaf community views it um, as a difference, obviously, but something that um, gives them power. And so, yeah, the word impaired just kind of shows that it is a disability and so they prefer to be called hearing. Um, hard of hearing or deaf. Now that's very interesting. And I know that you've had many experiences at schools for those with who are hard of hearing. And so that is where you are getting your experience from to share this information, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, (laughs) I was unaware of a lot of the nuances of the deaf community until working there kind of coming in as someone who was 
a hearing person who didn't know much about their culture. And that was kind of a um, mind-blowing experience to be a part of a culture that was not my own every day, going to work in a place where I was now the minority in a lot of ways. And so the tables turned because these individuals throughout society, they there are so many things that they have to, yeah, they, they just have to adapt to our world, whether it be, you know, not using drive-throughs, not, you know, using the communication methods or having communication be harder um, because they're deaf. And now I'm kind of coming into this world where communication was hard for me. <laughs> and that was really interesting to be a part of that. Um, and it, it did give me a, a perspective on what they have to deal with on an everyday basis. Um, yeah. Now, that seems like very parallel to the experiences that I had playing wheelchair basketball, going to tournaments. And when you showed up there to the gym, there was more people in wheelchairs than there were mm. able-bodied people. So the mm. able-bodied people were in the minority and they sort of had to adapt to what was going on with the everybody that was in wheelchairs and, and whatnot. Does that seem like it's a, a fair comparison? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, there were there were a handful of hearing individuals there, but um, across the board, it was it was primarily deaf individuals. Where it was just a task to learn the language, and there were so many things that. Um, I had to keep in mind, like, if two people are communicating across the hall from one another, it's okay to walk in between them. You don't duck because they're signing. Like, you, there's just so many things that we don't know until we're in it. And um, so, yeah, I, I do think it is a fair comparison, just being a part of a um, a community that is... Yeah, different than a, a community that what is the minority and in, in minority in most of the mm-hmm. <laughs> the world is yeah. now the majority. Yeah. When you were in grad school, did you learn uh, sign language or is that something that you acquired after you graduated? So we took two years of sign language. We had to, but it was very basic. I mean, we had to learn. It was kind of like baby sign. Um, so we learned what cookie was and all of that stuff. For for so many of our kiddos that we that we work with, we have to know some level of sign. But this was completely different because I was doing meetings. I had to do you know explain my speech language reports in sign language. I had to do meetings in. I mean, I when I went to all of my meetings, it was all in sign language. Like everything was in sign language. So it was complete immersion. And um, it wasn't just like, oh, this is a tool to help people communicate who maybe have a some kind of language issue. Yeah, we can use sign language. No, it was like this is their way of communicating. And and my job was mainly to uh, it was mainly to help the kids who are hard of hearing and deaf um, 
be able to acquire language better. But it was such an interesting thing because I didn't know the language mm-hmm. <laughs> very well. So it was such a weird, a weird role to be in because they needed people who were SLPs who knew language development. But when you don't know the language, you do feel out of place. And so it was it was a weird it was a weird experience because, um, yes, I was doing some kind of speech therapy, helping some hard of hearing kids be more fluent in speech. But a lot of it was just fully deaf individuals helping them with vocabulary or reading or um, all these things that I felt I, I just didn't feel equipped at <laughs> necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I got better. It's just it's it's an interesting role to be in as an SLP. I remember the time that I went to Santa Fe to visit the school that you were working at at the time. I was a liaison for a group of uh, visitors who came from Russia and they wanted, they were touring different parts of the country and their special education services. And your school was one of them that they visited. And it was such a surreal experience to be at your school because There was no talking going on. It was just (laughs) silence. But the language was still happening. The communication was happening, but in silence. It was it was it was really cool. And I don't say surreal as a negative. It was just like, whoa, there's so much going on. Mm -hmm. And I want to go back to what you were talking about and um, about like do's and don'ts when you are interacting with somebody who might be hard of hearing because I know within the the disability community, people always ask me do's and don'ts about how you interact with somebody with a disability. But I'd like you to share about what your experience has been like with um, interacting with somebody who's hard of hearing. Like if you're talking to somebody, what is sort of a no-no? Like like Mm -hmm. just kind of talk to me about that. Uh, okay, so I will first preface this with I am not an expert on all of the things that you should and should not do. Um, I'm not deaf, <laughs> and they can be a better person sure. to, to talk about what they prefer and what they don't prefer. But just from my experience as a hearing person, what I've been told by them is, um, and also just plain out knows, <laughs> if you are trying to communicate with somebody who is hard of hearing or deaf and there is a hearing person nearby, it's very common for people to go to the hearing person to like kind of like an interpreter. Like, so what did she say? Oh, what did she? Oh, okay. And can you tell her this? And you need to look directly at the deaf person. And if somebody is interpreting or helping you out, um, that could happen. Um, you kind of, treat the interpreter as invisible yeah and you treat the person who is deaf as that's who i'm talking to i need to look at them Mm. and i'm not going to refer to somebody else because they're easier to communicate with sure i'm going to look directly at them so that's that's one thing and then just learning some basic sign is good for anyone (laughs) you know and um just like hello nice to meet you It, it the majority of deaf people i know just really appreciate that attempt and so yeah and even even writing things out just trying to communicate in any way you can Mm -hmm. and so a lot of them can read lips but also you know we can't 
we have masks on most of the time, so that's not a thing. But um, which is why it's good to get those clear masks. But writing things out, just trying, because it, I think a really dismissive, it, you can be very dismissive by being like, well, okay, let me just go to somebody else, or let's. Uh, um, if you're not making that attempt, it's it's pretty it's pretty hard. But the best thing, I think, a lot of deaf people do appreciate when. When people do know some level mm-hmm. of sign or can mm-hmm. or know at least the alphabet. So you yeah. can say um, what, you know, spell out something and then they can teach you the sign. Sure. Just having that eagerness to learn. Is sure. Good. Now, I do think that's all great. I remember when I was in undergrad and we I was president of a student organization and the st- students that were in the group. Some of them didn't have a physical disability, but they wanted to have the experience of what it's like using a wheelchair. So we spent, or they mm-hmm. spent a week uh, off and on, spending a majority of their time during the day in wheelchairs and documenting their experience. Now I'm wondering, is it would it be frowned upon, or what are your thoughts on somebody who, or a class, and they say, well, okay, Today, class, we're all going to put on earmuffs or we're going to do something to eliminate our hearing. Where do you think that falls in terms of being educated or just insensitive? See, I I actually, that's a great question that I would ask someone who is deaf or hard of hearing. I know that a lot of grad schools for interpreting or SLP or whatever, they sometimes have these camps or there's camps for anybody where um, it's just silent camps. So you can't use your hearing or you can't, yeah, you can't use your hearing and you can't speak. Um, And just to get you immersed in the sign language environment. So it is really helpful for language development um, to be completely voice off. So I don't think that that is necessarily a, a negative thing if if you're making it something like we're going to pretend that we are deaf or try to be them <laughs> you know in a way i um i that seems like it would be a little insensitive <laughs> um calling it like let's i don't know but I, I feel like a deaf person needs to be in charge of those things mm-hmm. deaf people need to be involved in anything that is um educating people on mm-hmm. the deaf culture or sign language. Mm-hmm. It, it can't be a hearing, mm-hmm. um, hearing led thing. Yeah. Now with your experience at the school that you had worked with, I assume that you were surrounded in silence for a lot of the time. So I think sometimes our society looks at being alone and silence is like a negative thing. But I think sometimes when you're alone with yourself and there's not any words that actually can help you figure out who you are. Did you have moments where you felt you came to the point where you felt more comfortable with silence and did that help your personal development? Hmm. That's a good question. I will say that it is a misconception that the school for the deaf is silent. (laughs) Because I, I, yeah, in some, in a lot of, it is much quieter, but there are since there are many kids who are hard of hearing, 
Um, they can't modulate their voice level a lot of times. <laughs> and so it is, it can be very loud. Or, um, you know, a lot of kids who are deaf, they, yeah, make make a lot, they can make a lot of noises. And so it was, it was pretty loud most of the time. But I will say that um, it, it, the the silence was calming a lot of the times, but it was also frustrating at times um, because, you know, we're used to interacting with our friends and joking and laughing and it being effortless. And it, I wouldn't say it was lonely. It was just, yeah, the communication wasn't, um, it just wasn't as easy. Mm. And so the silence kind of contributed to that a little bit. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm such an auditory person. I love music. I love, you know, I am very loud in general. And so it did have to, I did have to take a step back and um, kind of calm my demeanor a lot. So mm-hmm. that that helped. And I, I was a lot more calm and focused because the job was more cognitive, cognitively demanding. Um having to focus on the language. And so, yeah, so it was just, it was different. It was definitely different, but I think I needed it in order um, to kind of take a step back from just the hustle and bustle of socializing and having all these friends. I kind of had to, yeah, live in a little bit more, in a more quiet space. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, I, I knew sort of your, the way that you got to work the majority of the time you took a train. Mm-hmm. And so you probably didn't know a lot of people on the train. So it's just like you were going on this train with a bunch of people you don't know every day in silence. Well, there was yeah. not silence around you, but yeah. there was conversations happening. And then you go to work where you're continuously in some form of silence or low auditory um exposure so i could see how that could be really frustrating for someone that likes to talk and communicate and socialize yeah yeah and it would be hard too because i would get off um i would get off of work and then i would get on the train and i would see a lot of my coworkers who are deaf and i totally love them and i had a lot to talk about with them and it but at the end of the day my mind was so overwhelmed <laughs> with with using sign language the entire day that I would just I would want to talk to somebody <laughs> or just not not communicate using sign and so it would be hard there would be a few times where I would sit with my deaf colleagues but then other other times where I'm like I'm sorry I um I just need to go to sleep I can't sign anymore <laughs> but it got it got a lot better throughout time I mean I was there for four years and or I think I think it was three um where yeah I um it wasn't as tiring as time went on and my eyes weren't exhausted from mm. paying attention yeah <laughs> and that's you know having your eyes be the main way you're getting language input is just it's just new and um so it my eyes got a lot less tired throughout time so it was better yeah so now what do you currently do? 
So now I took a step away from the deaf, hard of hearing world, which is bittersweet. I, I wish I still had some more of those clients. But now I have my own kind of private practice. Well, it's I'm a contractor, but I contract with a clinic in town called We Need to Talk and More Speech Services. And we also have OT and it's been really great. And so we get a lot of kids with autism, a lot of kids, it's just a variety of disabilities. And then we also go into individuals' homes, a lot of them who have really multiple disabilities and who maybe can't go to the clinic. And so we we do a lot of stuff in the homes and then at the clinic. It's really great. Cool. So last question on the podcast. I know that you're going to have a little boy soon. So will you teach your son sign language? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, it's a misconception that sign language impedes spoken language. And yeah, that's not true. So um, it'll help him communicate before he can talk. Um, it's the same area of the brain as speech. So why not? Yeah. Cool. Well, it's going to be really great to have a son who's bilingual and then hopefully you might teach him Spanish or another language after <laughs> that. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Monica. I hope to have you back on soon and love to get an update on what you're doing. All right. Thank you for having me, Travis.